Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. Well, how about that? Well, you got a big new voice. We have Brock Mantooth on the sidelines. New season starting, new voice, new starting center, and a new sponsor as well. We want to thank the good folks at Jim K. Ford. Jason and Jim and everybody over there, they've been uh, fantastic supporters of mine and uh, supporting the Sens Nation podcast as well. So welcome aboard to Jim K. Ford. We're looking forward to a, a great relationship there. And uh, yeah, we've got lots to talk to or talk about today. It is Steve Warren along with the coach, Greg Kennedy. Uh, so you're in the midst of training camp now with the Slave Lake Ice Dogs in the, uh, the junior hockey ranks there. How are things going? We're, things are going well. We're right in the, as as I'm speaking now. We're in the middle of our two a day here. We were on the ice uh, at noon, and we're on the ice again at six tonight. Uh, things are it it, it it may be a long year, Steve, but uh, we'll oh. put the time in and do what we can. Got to coach them up. I got to coach them up. Yeah, yeah. See how yeah, it goes. Okay. Anyway, that's the plan. Well, I'm glad you're off yeah. and running, and uh, that's a fun time for sure. And it's certainly a fun time to see Sens fans back in the CTC watching hockey. The lower end of NHL hockey, it is just a rookie game. Um, Montreal probably not starting most of their key guys and all that, but wasn't it nice to actually see hockey fans in the CTC watching hockey, even though it wasn't that many of them? It doesn't matter, Steve. Like, hockey's back. You know, it, it feels like post-strike or post-lockout, I guess, when the, yeah. when the players, you know, game on was their big slogan and everything. I just, it's... It's so nice. I, w- I wish I could be there to enjoy some of it. Instead, I'm going to have to go see the Oilers play once or twice this year, I guess. I gleaned a few things. We'll get into the Sens rookie game against Montreal here in a moment. Just some individual uh, performances uh, that I saw that uh, I want to talk about, but we'll do that later on. Probably our biggest story today would be Matthew Kachuk of the Calgary Flames weighing in on his brother's contract talks. Logan Brown has signed on with the Sens, and I know you're excited to get to that. I know I had to, like, <laughs> wrestle you to the ground to keep me from making it our top story, but he has signed. We'll get to that later, too. But Matthew Kachuk chiming in on the Sens' last domino to fall contractually, and and I thought he had some interesting things to say in that if you read what he had to say, and let me, let me, let me do that right now. Um, Good idea. Stand by here just so everybody's got to sense of what uh, actually actually was said this is the paragraph that and this comes from 31 thoughts with Elliot Friedman the quote from Matthew Kachuk is this Brady might be pulling a classic Kachuk right now dad held out Matthew held out and Brady looks like he's on his way right now so hopefully it can get figured out here but it's just a lot of fake stuff out there regarding this they're not too close so hopefully it gets figured out but who knows my dad and I are definitely involved. Brady needs us to help him out with that stuff. He wasn't as cutthroat as we were during it, but he's starting to become more of a Kachuk the later this goes. I'm hoping it gets better soon, but I guess it can only get better by the sounds of it. So so a pretty bleak picture, isn't it, from Matthew Kachuk? Yeah, I like that. He's, be- he's starting to become more of a Kachuk. Do you remember one time way back when, I don't know, I think it was in the spring, you and I were talking about Brady signing, and you 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 floated out the theory that he's just a young kid. He likes hanging around with these guys. He'll be happy to just sign, and yeah, we're all done. And thinking that, you know, maybe there wouldn't be as much influence from others, but 
I said all along, uh, dad's situation certainly uh, factors in. And then, of course, what Matthew just went through, the agent, uh, Craig Oster, dealing with Mark Stone and the senators in the past. And it just, you knew it was going to take a bit of time. And, and I'm surprised that it took this long for someone to say that Brady's coming around to the Kachuk way of maybe being a holdout. Just for clarity, I only, I mean, I've been a bridge deal guy through this whole yeah. process. I'd say the only thing though, that I only presented that as the only thing that sends fans might be positive about is that, you know, love the city, love my team, rah, rah, root, root, and, and put that ahead of business. But it certainly sounds uh, even more like this is definitely going to be a bridge deal. I'm like 95% on that, by the way. Where are you at percentage-wise? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've said all along. But then you've then I've read some things that says, you know, there's an 8 by 8 on the table. I read something like within 20 minutes of reading about Matthew's comments, I read something on the Hockey Writers website that said he's an 8 by 8 and it's going to happen any minute now. So he right. just, it's the same every week. We just regurgitate the same thing. We both seem to think it's going to be a bridge deal because that's what's best for Brady. And he's got the power in the cards here, but then you read something else and you this and that and this and that and all these folks, when it's all signed and done, I still think it'll be a bridge deal. Yeah. And I, I just think this further galvanizes. That's what's new here, right? We're not rehashing. We're basically sure. resetting based on the new information and we're even more galvanized now on it being a bridge deal because of what his brother has to say there. And I don't know if I'm the Sens, I might be like, geez, can you maybe stay out of this thing. I don't know that it, uh, that it helps anything along. And uh, if it is, if that to your thought about the other option that might be out there, if the eight, if the eight by eight has been presented and the Kachuk camp is saying, no, we're going to grind for more because we know we can, we know we kind of have the Sens over a barrel. I don't know that, that that's almost, I've, I've said before, I think they can grind for more. But it's almost at a stage where we're this late in the game. Eight by eight is damn fair for a guy who's nowhere near a point of game yet at this point in his career. Uh, I feel like it's sort of sliding into that entitled area. You can grind for more, but I don't know if you, you know, to me, it's almost like <laughs> you could have done this. It, like, where's that whole thing we just talked about? You know, Brady Kachuk, he's like, loves the city, loves his teammates, loves his, well, seems to be set aside by business anyway that's if if that eight by eight has been presented so i don't even know why i'm going down that yeah, road because it may not have been but you have to know that the eight by eight was presented you have to know that day one first offer from the senators was eight years eight million a year i and don't know that what could they what what could they have please don't tell me they came in at like eight years times six there's just well, i don't I, know but uh, to hear I matthew know. say did you hear that last thing that kachuk's matthew yeah. said I'm hoping it gets better soon, but I guess it can only get better by the sounds of it. That, yeah, that doesn't just, sound like an eight by eight on the table to me. I know. And that's like, I, I'm sorry. I refuse to believe that they didn't offer him eight times eight. Like I, I get like everything you just said about, you know, he's not exactly a point of game player. He's not necessarily worth 8 million, but in four years, in three years, heck, maybe even in two years, he will be worth 8 million if he continues. If the, the trend continues, if he projects to be what he's going to be in four years, if he's what you want him to be from the Senator's perspective, you'll be thrilled to be paying him $8 million. Wouldn't you? In theory. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, absolutely. I mean, 
but we're not running the Senators. I can't believe <laughs> that you would be surprised if the Sens tried to lowball an NHL player. Like, look at their recent history. Hello. So we know what should be happening, right, right. but yeah, what yeah, is yeah, happening, yeah. who knows? Okay, hang on. I just... There, I give my head a shake. I've I've slapped my wrist and a smack in the back of the head. You're right, Steve. They probably did come in with eight. No, they probably come in with six, six and a half, seven, 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 seven and a half, eight, or something. Right? When you and I have been talking all along that maybe the last two years should be worth ten, maybe they came in with the last two years finally getting to eight. I just I don't know. I know that's the thing. Nobody nobody knows. And that's that's been a great irritant for me, I'll be honest with you, with the kind of language that's out there. I know it's a job that everybody's got in the media. They got to get the scoop. They got to get the inside track on things. And, and I just, I'm at a stage with all the suggestions out there and the wording of things. It's believed that, according to league sources, the word is there may be some news coming in the next day or so, certainly within the week. It's hard to know much how much stock to put in it. Uh, rumors say it just goes on and on. Um, so nobody knows is my, point. which is why, which is why despite all of that rigmarole you just went through, we're talking about it now because it was straight out of Matthew Kachuk's mouth. Right. Right. It was, it was quotes from Matthew Kachuk to Elliot Friedman. That's why we're still talking about it. That's why it's a big story today. And that phrase of, you know, they're finally, they got nowhere they can go, but up like that. Ugh, you know, it's a little yeah. scary. Yeah. yeah. And, and I really believe that Matthew and Keith are in full on business mode. Get every penny you can out of the team. Get what you deserve. Whatever the, whatever you can grind out of them, that's what you're worth. And I think uh, any, any idea of a hometown discount, at least in my opinion, I think is off the table. And that's why this is taking so long. What yeah. we should be surprised about is why the Logan Brown thing took so long. When you see what the actual deal was, it was signed today, Logan Brown getting a one-year, two-way contract for the coming season. It carries a value of $750,000. I believe that's minimum wage or close to it. Uh, that's in the NHL and $100,000 if he plays in the American Hockey League. You just look at it and you kind of go, I, I guess, was, why, why couldn't that have been done like two months ago? That, that seems like a run-of-the-mill two-way deal in the American Hockey League, and uh, it just it it's a bit mystifying. I, I guess Logan Brown really probably was thinking for a good chunk of the summer that maybe he uh, he would be better served with a new organization. Yeah, that's that's my thought on it. Is that uh, he asked for a trade? They said, okay, we're going to try to work out a trade, um, and they failed. There was probably a deadline on that. You know, if we don't have something done by September fifteenth, then we're going to sign and. One way or the other, that was what was said. And and whether it was just Pierre and Pierre and the senators trying to find a trade or whether the agent was given permission to go look for trade and talk to people, uh, whether the senator's asking price was too high. If he ends up signing for 750 then what could you have been asking for? Like right. you, you can't, you can't go out there and say, well, you know, we want a, we want a top six guy and we want a second round draft choice and we want this and this, and then turn around and sign the guy for seven fifty, right? Like right. It, that just doesn't jive. Yeah. My feeling is this was the deal that was presented on day one of his free agency. Pierre, Pierre Dorian just sort of slaps it down on the table. Here you go. Want this? And he's like, 
Why? How dare you? What are you, what are you doing? I'm out of here. And then just goes away for a month or two and then arrives back in town hat in hand. Yeah. That deal you offered earlier. Can I have that deal? That'd be great. That's <laughs> we'll kind of how it. it looks to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'll leave you out of this conclusion to the Logan Brown conversation. If I could turn your mic off, I probably can actually, but let me turn your mic <laughs> off because I do want to say one last thing about it because I, and you don't have to react to it. We're just no, going to no, move go quickly on to the next thing. I do <laughs> think the Sens are smart to keep the asset. Even though it's at rock bottom as far as the stock goes, I do think it's still in the untapped category in that he can't stay healthy. And uh, if he can stay healthy and play in the American Hockey League and get that pointy game over the course of the long haul, not just two months or something before he gets hurt again, if he can play a full season in the American Hockey League, be a pointy game guy, Maybe this time next year, there's some team that says, hey, there's a first rounder that can score a point a game in the American Hockey League, and maybe you can grab a fifth rounder for him or something like that. That's the, I think, you know, what they're doing here and that they're, they've got no stock on this guy whatsoever. So why not see what he's still, there's something, there could still be something untapped there. And I'll leave it at that. Move it on to the next thing. Uh, the Sens played their first uh, rookie game. They took on the Montreal Canadiens. Don't have a final for you because the game is still going. But uh, I, I, there were a number of things that grabbed me right away. I said, like I said off the top, it was so nice to see Sens fans back at the game. Uh, it was a really classy gesture out of the gate to do a moment of silence for Ottawa comedian Norm MacDonald, who passed away this week. I'm sure you were, like most people uh, of our vintage, that uh, probably a pretty big fan of Norm MacDonald, right? Funny, funny man. Yeah, still, if you want, you got nothing better to do for your afternoon, you go watch YouTube and you watch just the weekend update shots that he took at OJ Simpson. Oh my God, they were hilarious. Oh yeah. 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 Very funny guy. And uh, I think everybody did a lot of that YouTube uh, searching for Norm MacDonald. And then you watch one and then you're down a rabbit hole where you find you watching a ton. So uh, yeah. Turn Ferguson. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the Bert, uh, Bert Reynolds character on Jeopardy on <laughs> SNL. Very funny for sure. Uh, so that was classy by the Sens. So well done on that. Um, what do you think? One of the thought, thoughts I had was when I was watching some plugger for the Habs who, who kind of lined up in uh, in the def- or the offensive zone against Ridley Gregg and then proceeds to cross-check the guy about 19 times uh, through the course of that shift as the, as the Sens had a scoring opportunity. Is it, would that be a worry for you as a coach? Like you're doing a junior camp right now in Slave Lake, and if you had like a, an exhibition game against some other team or whatever, is, is there any worry at an NHL level, of course, that you're going to have your elite players be exposed to literally guys who have no shot of being in the NHL and will do anything to get noticed by that team's NHL brass? Is that a concern? Yeah. Um- it is and it isn't. I mean, at a, at a training camp level, uh, in-house, there's going to be guys show up who want to make a name for themselves and want to prove, you know, I'm a tough guy. So within your own inner squad games, that's going to happen. When it gets to the rookie games like these, I'd, I'd still like to think there's there's the odd guy in the ice who can come up to a guy and say, all right, pal, like, knock it off. Like, they're not all 18-year-old peach, peach fuzz young kids on the ice. There's still some veterans within the rookies let's say and uh some people be put in their place and i in today's game the way things are nowadays i think a lot of people would be more impressed with the fact that really greg would turn away from it 
rather than succumbing to it and, and saying, yeah, okay, I guess I better stick up for myself. You know, in the old, in the old days, he would have had to drop the gloves and go for it, go with the guy. But now I think you can just say, look, I'm, I got more important things to worry about than you right now, pal. Get out of here. I like Ridley Gregg's game from what I saw. Like he just, he's a little ball of hate, a little ball yeah. of hate with, uh, with skill. So he's going to be a nice looking player, I think, moving forward. And um, a couple of other options in there that I wanted to talk about. The uh, well, the usual suspects, Shane Pinto and Jacob Bernard Docker. Bernard Docker, who's a right shot D. I, I mean, if he brings what I saw today to the main camp, the Sens may have some decisions to make because we've talked at length in past episodes. They are just filled up with guys on one way contracts in the NHL on the blue line who would uh, have to clear waivers. So Jacob Bernard Docker is neither of those things. He's on a two-way deal, and he uh, he doesn't have to clear waivers to go down. But, man, is he smooth with the puck. Just a rookie game and everything. It's the first one out of the gate. But, I don't know, can you see a scenario where either Bernard Docker or Brandstrom, if they blow the doors off the Sens uh, and, and their decision makers, could you see some of the existing players, you know, could the Sens find a home for them via trade um, or on waivers or something? First of all, I can't see a scenario where Eric Branstrom's going to blow the doors off anyone, but that's another conversation. Um, JB, no, no, I can't see. Bernard Docker needs to play the year in the minors. He does not need to be here as a seventh guy or even an eighth guy. It just, it's not right for him. It's not what's best for his personal development. And what's best for his personal development is what's best for the team long-term. So therefore, even if he does... Like, oh my God, he can play here this year. I just can't see them doing it. They will bite the bullet and say, look, this is what we need to do long-term. He'll be up by, I mean, if, if he does play very well and goes down to Belleville and plays very well there, he'll be up January, February, I would think. Uh, at the very latest, he's up after the trade deadline probably because some guys get moved out. But I, I just, I can't see these guys being on an opening day roster. I'm, I'm sorry, Sens fans. I just, I can't see... JBD, I can't even see Brandstrom being on a, on an opening day roster. You? I would agree, and I think that everything you said there is good strategy. But at the same time, I I would never say never. I like to keep an open mind. I don't want to shut the door completely. If, if either of them show up and they do some special things and really have taken a massive leap forward in their development, it's something I'd consider. This is not a team filled with Norris Trophy candidates. Josh Brown, you'd be taking Josh Brown's job, for example, or... Um, you know, so or Delzato, so I, I I agree with everything you said, and that's probably how I see it going. But still, a little part of my brain that I, that keeps an open mind. The other, well, of the, it, go ahead. Sorry, it, it takes a certain type of mentality to be able to be a seventh guy, to be a guy who who sits a lot. Um, like maybe if if he blew their doors off, to take your expression, and you could see him in your top five. Okay, but if you still see him being six or seven, there's no way he's going to be here. No way. It just it it doesn't make sense. You don't want him in the stands. <clears throat> excuse me, every second or third night watching it. Just no, no way. I mean, he looked to, today anyway. Just I'm talking about Bernard Donker, and he should. He, he looked really. Yeah, he. I mean, he just looked Shabbat smooth with the puck, and just and dishing and and just just moving his angles around like a quarterback looking off a rusher like I'm looking this way and all of a sudden eh, I'm over here and he just so smooth and 
like you say, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Shane Pinto, on the other hand, he's supposed to go out there and, and dominate. And uh, he wore the C, which was, I thought, interesting. I'm not sure what they've done in previous camps, to be honest. But he wore the C, which I thought was interesting because this is a club that has not bothered with the C over the last four years. Yeah. Uh, but, oh, my God, he had one rush where he comes in and uh, just burns the right D coming down the left wing and uh, got a nice scoring opportunity. But, oh, my God. Remember those Colin White giveaways from down below the goal line in the defensive zone, passing it blindly into yeah. the slot area? Pinto had one of those today. That was not pretty. So that was uh, certainly concerning because that's a guy. That's part of the reason you think Shane Pinto might make the NHL this year because he's so excellent as a as a two way centerman. The problem is that you're playing out of your role, right? If if he's playing, it's it's like a guy playing on the third line of a junior a team but if he goes to junior b he's a top line guy or a triple a player to a double a player right? right it's like all of a sudden now your your rules a little different your expectations are different you're, you're the best player in the lineup tonight son or you're the offensive guy and even if they talk to him about it and say just play your game and do what you have to do he can't help it if he's the best player on the ice he's going to change the way he plays the game right yeah. and with that comes a little bit of cockiness maybe some overconfidence and you start trying plays that maybe <clears throat> maybe you shouldn't have tried yeah mad sogard is another big name that was in there today and he's uh he, he seems to have grown in the summer <laughs> if such a thing is possible i believe him to be seven feet tall based on my inexact uh, calculations but uh he really moves well you, you, i remember ben bishop who would be a, a guy who's comparable height Ben Bishop, every once in a while, you'd be like so gangly and just almost awkward at times when uh, when he's moving around. Sogard already looks like a guy that, you know, he's moving like he's six foot two and and not seven feet tall. He's not that tall, but he's very tall. Uh, yeah. he, he's going to be a good one, and he's going to be a hard guy to keep out of the NHL for very many years. He's polished. Yeah. Like, in a sense, a lot of his game is ready to transfer now, but he needs – he needs games. He needs to face shots. He needs to play a, a full season somewhere. Um, but unfortunately, it's it's not going to be in Belleville. I would think that Gustafson's uh, number one down there, right? Yeah. So um, I don't know. We're, we're so guard. It's going to be tough for him to get into games, is it not? Yeah. Uh, well, I think he'll get some. Um, but it's yeah. hard to know because uh, Gustafson two years ago didn't look that great in the American Hockey League, but he came up in the True. NHL, obviously, in a fill-in and was was just elite here to the point where some people are saying, well, that guy could play in the league right now. Uh, some, th- some people think right now he is the, the best goalie in, in the entire organization, but Sogard just goes 7-0 and in Belleville last year, so that's going to be an interesting battle for the number one down there. i got to think that uh, the Troy man's going to give uh, both guys decent looks. Just running through some other quick names, uh, Max Gannett, um, defenseman nice speed and I, he's one of those guys he reminded me a little like christian will when everybody was still excited about him yeah he loves he's happy to live in that neutral zone really gapping up happy in that area he's happy to jump into the play but he roves a little too much and he can get burned we saw a beautiful setup on the first goal that was scored by cole reinhardt tonight today jumping up into the play uh, didn't get the puck or anything, but stayed low and made a nice uh, centering pass to Reinhardt, and he one-timed it, but he also got burned really badly because uh, he tried to jump up into the play, and he was a little too casual. You like to see that confidence. you got to be careful, especially once you get to the NHL level. You're going to be burned all the time, as we saw, maybe not all the time, but with Will and that was his issue. He was almost a little too casual trying to jump into the offensive side. 
Yeah, and it's probably the same sort of thing, Steve. He's playing out of his normal role. Right. Right. If he's playing with uh, in a professional setting, he's he's playing in a professional setting here, but he's still playing pretty much within his core age group. Right. Right. So he he he's playing a different kind of game, and it's 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 a tough thing for these guys to do, right? Like it's, think about it. it. Like if, if you play all your life with a certain group of guys and you're like a third liner, then all of a sudden you go out and play with your kids. <laughs> Even you play a different game, right? I mean, yeah. it's just, it's normal. It's natural. Yeah. And it's uh, sometimes it can be to their detriment as a player. Like, uh, like we always say, like we said a couple of weeks ago when we did a show talking about tryouts, do what you do, do it to the best of your ability and don't try to do things that aren't you. So, you know, like in the case of the Pinto turnover, that's a bad side of it. In the case of the, uh, who we just talked about, Gannett's uh, offensive play, I mean, that's that's a good thing. So, Yep, absolutely. So let's, uh, I'm just going to go through uh, rather uh, Angus Crookshank, feisty. Uh, he, was, yeah. he, was, he was getting his nose dirty all over the place. Mark Kastelik, um, I can see that guy being an elite fourth line center, like just big, skates pretty really? well. He's always gritty around the net, and uh, I forget who Montreal's biggest player. He just ran him over with a, just a beautiful uh, shoulder check. Philip Dau, very small, but he was almost. I saw him a couple of times going through the neutral zone with the puck, and he's Alex Formanton fast. Like holy cow! Not maybe not as not Formanton. That's a bit much, but very fast. <laughs> okay. um, and uh, Sokolov, he's been the talk of camp. I'm not seeing it. Not at least Ooh. not today. I think uh, the media loves him. He's so gracious with his time and 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 fun to talk to. His story's great. It's a I think great story. Te- yeah, I think the team loves him, but I didn't see a guy who was ready for the NHL just yet. Um, I like that he barges to the net. He's got good body. I think, you know, in a power play situation, but I don't see any. He's got the same issue as Logan Brown. There's a lot to like about Logan Brown in a stationary sort of way. The, the skating's got to be better. One other thing on the Brady Kachuk thing, and that is Ian Mendez had an interesting thing, thing in the uh, athletic this week. And the worry is, of course, if this thing drags on into training camp and such, it's a common reaction, Greg, when that happens, that people will say, oh, he's going to get off to a slow start. That could derail his entire season if he misses training camp and such. Ian did, this, did the legwork over the last two or three years of – you know, important players who are holdouts at camp, and historically they do just fine. Miko Rantanen held out, and and he was a point a game in his first ten games. I think Matthew Kachuk held out; he was near a point a game in his first yeah. ten. Matthew Barzell, Patrick Laine, these guys all missed good chunks of training camp or all of training camp, and then got it done before opening night, and they all did just fine. So. I thought that was interesting, an interesting spin on things. And the other angle is people are complaining, why, why doesn't Brady Kachuk come to town, you know, be with his teammates and such? That's common too. In most cases, the players don't want the distraction. They don't want to be asked every day, when are you going to sign? When are you going to sign? When are you going to sign? And I think it'd be worse right. here than any of the markets that I just talked about with the stars like Line A and, and uh, Rantanen and such. It would be crazy for Brady Kachuk. Everywhere he goes in Ottawa, he would be asked about the contract talks. So my point yeah, is, like, and, and Ian's point is, is that uh, it's not none of that is anything to worry about. Exactly. Like, what do you what do you want him to do? You want him to show up and go to the rink every day and watch them skate and watch training camp? Like, he's not going to do that. Right. And like you say, he he wouldn't be able to go to a corner store. Like at least in St. Louis, 
Some people would recognize him, but nowhere near the, the, the extent that it would be here. And there'd be people in St. Louis who probably wouldn't even know. <laughs> here, every single person who sees him, and he's a fairly unique looking individual, I think it's safe to say that even people who wouldn't know wouldn't know uh, a standard hockey player could recognize Brady Kachuk. He'd get bothered everywhere he went, stop for gas, whatever. All right. All right, moving on. Zach Smith has retired. And, of course, he's been playing with the Chicago Blackhawks for a while now. And uh, I don't think there's a ton of you – know, it's not like a Hall of Famer or anything like that or a guy even remotely need to consider retiring his number. But a good meat and potatoes type of a player, I think – a guy that was really well-liked in the dressing room. You could never question the guy's hard work. The things I would remember about Zach Smith, Greg, would be, for one, character and hard work. Mm -hmm. uh, for another, he was part of that 2017 run to the Eastern Conference Final, which we'll all never forget. And then lastly, he somehow, some way, I think it was, um, I want to say it's the 2015-16 season, somehow, some way, that guy was second in Sen's goal scoring with 25 Talk about yeah. all the planets aligning that year. We had injuries and such, and he got bigger opportunities, and he kind of ran with it that year, and that was kind of nice to see, but totally out of the blue, wasn't it? Yeah, like you were asking me about you know, my my biggest memory of, of Zach Smith, and I don't have an individual. I mean, I remember the Domi giving him the waivers thing, right? Oh, yeah, that, was, I, that's, that had to sting a little. <laughs> I remember the 25-goal season. But I don't remember an individual, oh, my God, remember that goal? Or remember the great play he made to set up this goal? I, I, I don't have any of those kinds of memories. And in a way, because of the type of player he is, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. right? Like he's just a guy, unassuming, showed up, did his job, work ethic, character, quality guy, good in the room, you know, leadership. He wore an A off and on over the years. And, and just a good workmanlike, uh, serviceable hockey player you know yeah. do the job for you i think my the three i mentioned would be i think eclipsed by the first round playoff series against the montreal canadians it was one of the biggest brawls we've seen in a stanley cup playoff game in a long time this is the series where the sens won it would have been about I don't know, six years ago something like that where the sens win the series and they're up they're just absolutely destroying the Habs at CTC. And they're up 5-1 in the game. And that's the one where I think where everything went wrong for the Habs. Like you had the Griba hit on Lars Eller. Yeah. Um, and then I guess there was that whole thing with Paul McClain saying some of the things he said. He said something along the lines of blaming, I think it was Yannick Weber or something like that, for the suicide pass. Player 51, he called him. Player 51. Yeah. And he called a timeout, I think, in that 5-1 game, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Called a timeout. Yeah. And, and like, you could see Michelle Terrian, his, his, his head just turning red. <laughs> but when the brawl happened, Zach Smith was at the center of that. For some reason, it was Zach Smith. He was facing off against, oh, what's his name? White. And he was a pseudo-tough guy for the Habs then. And what? Yeah. He basically, White kind of chopped him, and Zach Smith turns around, and it ends up being White going at it with uh, Jared Cowan, and Cowan absolutely waxed him. And just across the board, the Sens won every fight. Zach Smith was in there winning his fight. Um, you had Chris Neal out there. You had Matt Cassian out there. I mean, you had, Ooh, a lot yeah. of, you had a lot of toughness out there, and the Sens were just, uh, I mean, it just 
It was one of the greatest nights at, at the CTC <laughs> that Sens fans have ever seen, destroying the their heated rival and, of course, the big brawl that the Sens won with the cherry on top on that. I don't remember this other white, but I, I seem to recall us discussing whites a while back on the show. There was another Colin White at one time. There was an Ian White who played defense. Who's this white guy? You, have it's you found oh, him yet? Ryan White. Ryan White. Got it. No. Sorry. No memory of him whatsoever. Really? He's the yeah, guy that had sorry. the long blonde hair going. He always seemed like he had about three teeth missing. Looked like something that uh, <laughs> you'd find in the Ozarks or something. With all due respect, ooh, Ryan. Ooh. With all due respect, Ryan. Uh, he's still plugging away. He's down in the East Coast Hockey League now with the Wichita Thunder. Not sure what he's up to this year, but yeah, he was kind of a feisty guy for the Habs there in the early days. And uh, Wow. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan White. Yeah. Okay. Nothing Fair up. enough. It is time now for our DunRobinDistilleries.com web poll through this out there this week. And we wanted to know who currently, you know, whether it can be um, somebody in the minors, somebody in the rookie camp here, somebody on the existing team, who do you believe right now, active-wise, is the most underrated player on the Ottawa Senators? Nick Paul. <laughs> Not anymore. I think Nick Paul's in the same category as the probable winner, and this is Connor Brown. You can no longer say that Connor Brown is underrated. Um, Nick Paul is a, a third line or fourth line hockey player. How is he underrated? Are you it, to imply that a third or fourth liner is underrated would mean that you think he's a top six forward, and Nick Paul is not. Is he underappreciated by the fan base who don't see what he does and what he brings night in night out? Yes, but he's not hes not underrated. He's rated exactly for what he is. No, don't you think? Yeah, no, I'd agree. This is, uh, this yeah. is just some of the feedback I'm getting in the yeah. poll. We've got uh, Philip Gustafson might be a good one. For what he did this past season, you'd think that maybe there'd be an NHL job waiting for him, but the Sens instead re-signed Anton Forsberg. That's possible, yeah. Like, but did you sign Anton Forsberg because you want Philip Gustafson to have a season where he's a stud in the AHL? Yes. Does that mean he's underrated? Could he play in the NHL? Could you bring him up here and he could play? Uh, could you split the season as 65, 35%? Yeah, probably. But I, I think for his own development, as we were discussing JBD earlier in this show, uh, I think he's better to be in the minors and play the 65% rather than up here and play the 35%. Austin Watson was thrown in by Chris Ryan, uh, uh, brings an element they haven't had since Chris Neal, not to mention he's actually a considerably better skater than Neeler, and he isn't even 30 years of age yet. Yeah, he, he's another guy who is is underappreciated as opposed to, but then again, underrated. He like I, I'd like to think that he could play in a, in a, you could even put him on your second line right wing. If you're on a team with some quality, quality people up front, like, could he not play right wing with uh, in Colorado with with Rantanen and McKinnon? Sure. Could he play right wing on the big line of Boston? Yes, and he and, and he would be effective there. So in that sense, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. He may be slightly underrated that he could be playing higher up in the lineup. Another vote for Connor Brown, which I think is the the name that pops immediately to mind, and uh, sends Grumbler writes. Everyone seems to add, but. To their sentence when they talk about Connor Brown. He's got great numbers, but on a weak team. The guy's really good, and I have no doubt the Leaves 
regret losing him. And uh, again, it's it's hard to put Connor Brown in the discussion now because, I mean, when your head coach is saying before the season starts, yeah, we want Brown to play with Tim Stutzla. You obviously have a top six role in mind for Connor Brown. And we know how Connor Brown can go cold sometimes, you know, missing opportunity after opportunity. He seemed to bury a ton last year, but uh, I think that I can't put an underrated label on him any longer. Yeah, and and the other thing about him to answer that that one but you know leading scorer, big point producer on a on a not a very good team, it still takes talent to put up those points. Like if you brought out uh, a team of eighteen year olds to play against the best team in the NHL, yeah, they wouldn't be a very good team. But would one of them still be able to score a lot of points? Mm-hmm. You know, probably not. Like if you're not good enough, you're not going to produce the points regardless of whether you belong on the first or second line or not, he produced those numbers. Uh, and it's not all just because he's getting top six minutes and it's not a, a little bit of power play time. No, he he produced those numbers on his own. The kid has some talent. I mean, he won an OHL scoring title. He's a talented hockey player, and I, I don't think we can say that he's he's under uh, under-evaluated, under under-expected, under anything. He's, he's, he's about right where he should be. No. So your vote is what? Out of that list of players, or any player, <laughs> anybody on the team? Well, I think I think a I think a kid like Formanton might be slightly underrated. I just I think there's more there. That's just me. I I, I, I realize the Sens have have looked at him and had him around longer than than uh, than most guys in the organization. They've seen him play here, there, and everywhere, and they still see him as a third line guy. I'd like to think he's a he's a second liner better. Um, but that's just my own personal, I don't know. Who are you, who are you leaning towards? Yeah, I'm going to go. And cause I mean, when we say underrated, it's usually one of two reasons. It's because he doesn't get paid enough or people aren't talking about him enough and giving him the love and all that. Um, and so one guy I think that might fit that bill, though I'm hesitant to pick him because I've been critical of him, but I still think, you know, there were enough flashes where I say, maybe if he gets the confidence going and such, uh, I'll fire Eric Brandstrom in there because I think I feel like he's rock bottom right now, both both in paycheck and what people think of him. And again, I've been as critical as anybody, but uh, I do think that there's a chance for a big bounce back there. And I guess I put a little stock into, you know, why Pierre Dorian called it the greatest day of his life, GM wise, when he made that yeah. deal. You're not saying that if you haven't seen. We all say Pierre Dorian. He really knows those amateur scout or those amateur prospects and stuff. I have a hard time believing that everything we've seen from Eric Brandstrom, that's the entirety of what he is. I feel like there can be more there. And so I'll vote for him. That's a good point. I mean, when you think of it, he is at best, probably for most people talking about it, seventh or eighth D on this team this year. If he is supposed to be, if he becomes what he's supposed to be, and then he should be in number four slot, then yeah, he, he would be, underrated if you believe him to be in a top 4d then yeah he's underrated for sure there you go and that is our poll for today and it's brought to you by dunrobin distilleries just like craft beer years ago the market for craft spirits is booming right now and dunrobin distilleries is at the forefront in ottawa they currently offer artisanal gin and vodka rye whiskey 12 different flavors of bitters and their recently launched earl gray gin all made with the finest quality ingredients right here in Ottawa. DunrobinDistilleries.com. Where will your spirit take you?
Don't forget the Sens Nation podcast brought to you by Jim K. Ford. And if you're thinking about a pre-owned vehicle, Jim K. Ford is your Ottawa certified pre-owned Ford dealer. They take all the worry out of buying a pre-owned vehicle. How about a 12-month, 20,000-kilometer limited warranty coverage, vehicle history report, financing rates from 1.99%, a 172-point vehicle inspection, and 24-hour roadside assistance. I don't know about you, but that, to me, is peace of mind. See them today at jimkford.com, 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans. Closing it out today with a listener question on Twitter for you, Greg. I was listening to the Sens Nation podcast, boys. I was hoping you could ask the coach. That'd be you. How much blame the coaching staff deserves when a top prospect doesn't turn out? We always blame the players. Of course, management gets some some too for bringing them in via draft, trade, free agency. Uh, But I don't think that uh, some of the players have had proper coaching. And Logan Brown is the name he throws in there. But I want you to ignore that for a second because I think it's a good question <laughs> beyond the Brown thing. Um, that you think some players don't get proper coaching. And same for a few others that have been uh, junior players. But essentially top ended, junior players. Top to, yeah, top junior players. It was a typo there. Um, top junior players, but essentially ended their hopes in Ottawa. By extension, how much did the generational players actually benefit from coaching? Love the show, guys. And uh, thank you very much for that. It's from David. So what say you? Um, wow. I don't think that uh, – I think that – here's the thing, okay? When you get to the NHL, your technical skill base, technical skills of skating, shooting, passing, puck control, mm-hmm. that type of stuff is – it's very difficult for that to get better in the setting of the team for me to be get a, become a better shooter just by working with the NHL coach at NHL practice, not going to happen for me to get, become a better skater going on the ice with DJ Smith at practice. not going to happen. It comes from the, from the help. It comes from the power skating instructor you bring in. It comes from the, the development staff that you bring in. That's where that sort of stuff comes from. In the case of the senators, that might be an area where they haven't had a lot of emphasis in the past. Right. Right. I think we can agree on that. A couple of years ago, um, they brought in uh, Sean Donovan to do it. They had um, uh, Mark Powers always been around for skating. Now I think they use Shelly Kettles. Uh, Jesse Winchester's now involved. Um, so from a development standpoint, it doesn't come from the NHL level per se at the NHL practices. It comes from the development staff around you. Um, does a player develop tactically that can happen. That's an American hockey league scenario. I can learn how to play the game. I can learn a system. I can even develop a little bit of hockey sense if I didn't have any before just from watching video and learning. But I, I would agree for the most part, it's like you're almost a finished product. Like 90% of you is a finished product. You can still get better but it's done individually with an individual coach that the team provides or individually that by a uh, coach that you have in the summer or the off season or whatever. So in a sense, he's right. But in a sense, it's not the end of the story. It can still get better. All right. You've got practice now. Um, (laughs) I do. Well, in another hour. Okay. So I'm thinking about at your level and you don't have the the finances to be paying development coaches and such like, 
how much can you do in season as far as the technical and the, the skill development? The technical's difficult. So we'll we'll do a technical day every week. Like we could certainly put that into our program, right? Where it's today we're just doing technical skills. Right. Um, a lot of what I have to do is still from a tactical standpoint. Like I've, I've got guys here who haven't necessarily played the highest level. So we've got to teach them how to play the game, how to play away from the puck. So that's video work and that's a lot of talking. That's a lot of dry erase markers on a, on a whiteboard work. But on the technical side of things, same sort of thing. How much work can I do with you if it's one or two coaches on the ice with 25 of you working on one little thing? It just it, it can't be done. Like I've, I always use the analogy of your golf swing. If you've got a slice and you go to the range and the club, the pro, get El Hamo to come work with you and you hit 100 balls with El Hamo watching you every single one of them, you can maybe get it sort of fixed in an hour. But is that going to work long term? No, you need to come back and hit 100 tomorrow and another 100, another 100, another 100 until it becomes a new muscle memory, a new way for you to do things. So it's the same thing with skating or with stick handling or passing or any any technical skill. We have to destroy the old muscle memory and create a new muscle memory and you have to learn to execute that um, like, you know, bang, that's, that's automatically that's the way I'm going to do it now. That takes right. time. Yeah. And I don't know that you have time in, in a junior setting, in a pro setting, in any kind of setting. If you have time, you, you just don't have the time. When in doubt, bag skate them, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that always works. <laughs> okay, well, good stuff today. Uh, we want to thank uh, our good new sponsor. That'd be Jim K. Ford for uh, jumping on. We look forward to a great season with them, as well as DunRobinDistilleries.com. Don't forget our website is SendsNationHockey.com. There will be articles there. We've got our YouTube rolling there now uh, with some great response. It was like, well, that's a surprisingly a large amount of views for something we're just getting going. So that's pretty cool. So we invite you to check that out as well. Thank you for being with us today. And Greg, go get them, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Steve. Talk to you. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SendsNationHockey.com.